episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. We are on episode 27, and as always, I am your host, Marco. I'm Ian. And like hopefully this weekend, a brand new set of soft tires. We are ready to roll. So a lot of things to talk about with the upcoming race going on, but to start off, Ian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Excited for a race weekend where I hopefully get to see cars race this time. Yeah, fingers crossed that would be a nice aspect to being a part of the sport. Uh, to just go off, as we always do, kind of going through the lineup of what we're going to talk about, we have our recent headlines. We have a big story, obviously, that we're going to talk about, but we're going to cover uh, Kimi Raikkonen and his spotlight of his huge, lustorious career. I don't know if that's a word. And then we're going to go over the Dutch <laughs> Grand I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds real. Uh, and then yeah, we're going go, <laughs> to go through the Dutch Grand Prix, and then we're going to top it off with our race predictions. So starting off, Andy, you want to head us off with these recent headlines? Absolutely, yeah. So recent headline, like you said, Kimmy, the Iceman, the King of Spa, retires after approximately 74 years in Formula One. Um, I'm just kidding. He debuted in 2001, so about about 21 years um, yeah, sad to see him go, uh, but I think it's it's kind of time. Like getting some new blood in there wouldn't be the worst thing. So yeah, while while I'm excited to see him go, what is that saying? Like don't cry because it's had. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. That's how I feel about Kimmy. Yeah, I think everyone is trying to smile because it happened, except for Kimmy. But then again, that is <laughs> Kimmy Uh Moving on, we have some internal discussions with Alfa Romeo and talks with Mercedes for a new engine. I'm sure they just kind of got to do something to be a little bit more competitive and switching it up might be the best idea. But, you know, outside of that, we'll see where that goes. Not too much uh, interest to me in that regard. (laughs) Nothing of Alfa Romeo is of interest, I think, to most F1 fans. But regardless, something that was of interest to me just because I feel like it's reality TV kind of shit is Alex Albon's girlfriend, who's a professional golfer, actually, Lily Mooney, I think is her name started following Williams on Instagram, and it was the only F1 account that she was following at the time that I saw that come out. Since then, I think she has followed Red Bull, so it's a little, I you know, <clears throat> so it's a little bit of her obviously trying to throw a little uh, little scent off the trail, I think, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. We'll get to some, uh, actually, that's a pretty good lead into rumors. Yeah, absolutely, and so with the departure of Kimi, there does leave a for sure open spot at Alfa Romeo. A lot of people are talking about Valtteri Bottas. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from there, but everything is, as we've been saying, leaning towards him, getting the boot from Mercedes. Uh, there's also been some uh, talk about Nick DeVry, who is a Formula E champion, potentially coming in. And also uh, just been some more talks about Giovinazzi, probably not returning to Alfa Romeo so we'll see what he goes to there. It seems like he yeah, maybe goes to another motorsport, but it is not looking like he is going to be returning. He has not he actually came out and said that they have not talked to him about it, but it seems like there's been some internal discussions with Alfa Romeo saying that they have made a decision. So if he doesn't know and they're saying they do, most likely that's probably not the best. 
But and yeah, as we said, uh, Alex Album to Williams. So we're really gonna you know come out hopefully with these within these next couple of weeks about finding and understanding the full grid for 2022. I feel as though, and maybe it's because I wasn't as plugged in last year during silly season. But this is one where I feel like last year there was a lot more up in the air. Like I didn't really see Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari before it happened, but. Um, you know, provided that things go the way that we're talking about, it does seem like it's this has been a little bit more of a predictable one, obviously with George going to Mercedes. Speaking of which, uh, Hamilton says that George is the future at Mercedes and would kill it at Mercedes. So I don't know if you saw him tag his dog as George Russell in a picture recently. Um, but yeah, seems like George is on the mind of Lewis. And with them partnering up, like, what do you think that dynamic's going to be? Do you think Toto's going to let them just kind of battle it out, or is there going to be a clear one-two? I think it's – I don't see him, unless George is really just, like, showing and qualifying and free practice that he has a much better pace than Lewis. I see it going similarly to with the relationship and situation between Hamilton and Botas. I think that – you know, Lewis is the guy you can't really like stray in and you can't put the big dog, you know, back in a second seat. And, you know, Lewis clearly throughout his career has not done well with uh, full competitions with teammates. He does not allow, doesn't really like to back down much. So I think with someone with an illustrious career like him going against a very young George, I don't think I can see him just being like, hey, I'm okay with him. You know, if he has better pace than me, him passing me up. So yeah, we'll see. But it, I feel like it's going to be, you know, same old, same old for, for Lewis. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think his, I think the only way that George gets by that being a number two is by, you know, putting in better qualifying. Like if he's just beating, if he beats Lewis three times in a row in qualifying, like at some point you have to be like, okay, at least let him fight, right? But obviously we had the Lewis and Rosberg controversy back in 2000, what was that 2016, 2017, um, that ended in, you know, some fiery battles and, Obviously, Roseburg got the best of him before he retired, but yeah, that's it's just. I think obviously I'm excited for George of him going to Mercedes, but I'm also just excited to see how the dynamic works out between the two of them because you know he's he's nobody to mess around with, and neither is Valtteri Bottas. But George, I think, is just more talented overall. So yeah, I'm excited for that kind of stuff to go through. Yeah, and even if you look back to 2007 when Kimi Raikkonen did get the uh, driver's championship. Really, the reason that he did win that is because Lewis and Fernando Alonso really struggled with a clear winner. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth there throughout the entire season and uh, within their own team, and which ended up Kimi winning by a single point. So, yeah, I mean, I think his history shows itself that uh, Hamilton does like having that, that lead and he's not willing to kind of let up regardless if it's his teammate or not. Yep, agreed. Let's talk about Kimi Raikkonen next. We, obviously, the departure of him from F1 at the end of this season is going to be, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be happy that he's gone. You know, maybe young guys who are trying to get into F1. Um, But, yeah, let's just kind of take a little bit of a deep dive into his life. But before we do that, we have a new sponsor, pretty revealing about our demographic, I'd say, um, you know, that we got this partner. But the Finnish Nursing Homes Group, to all the more tenured age folks out there, there comes a time in an old person's life when it's time to slow down. Even if some people could argue that you've been pretty slow for the last few years, realizing it yourself is another thing. With that already short temper getting shorter and shorter, and that hairline receding more and more, you're not fooling anybody with that hat, throw in the towel on your professional days and come live in the community that is built specifically for the Nordic Olds. Are you the type of person that gets thirsty and complains when you don't have your drink? 
Maybe you get a little spicy in your tone when you're cold and nobody has given your gloves or steering wheel. Maybe people are just in your ear too much telling you what to do when it's obvious that you know what you're doing. No matter how angry you come off, our staff are professionally trained to withstand berating of even the most angry Nordic senior. Not only can you yell at our staff, even if they don't deserve it, we also have endless supplies of alcohol for you to get absolutely sloshed, more so than a frozen lake on a day when the temperature is above freezing. We'll be waiting for you here at Finnish Nursing Homes, the perfect way to finish up your life. Thank you very much to the Finnish Nursing Homes. I really love the pep in the step, the positive attitude that you guys have always brought. Uh, so yeah, uh, looking forward to uh, that really stepping up over these next couple of years when you know maybe F1 or racing isn't as important to your life. Uh, moving on, so let's just get right into it. Uh, Ian, you have the the pleasure of covering and talking about the amazing, the exciting, the incredible Dice Man, Kimmy Reckoning. Absolutely. So like you said, nicknamed the Iceman, the King of Spa, the Finn. Uh, this dude has had just, like you said, a illustrious career um, in F1. Over 340 starts, number one of all time, actually, is super impressive. So nobody's had more Formula One starts than Kimi Raikkonen. Dude's led 1,304 laps, 18 poles, 103 podiums, 21 wins, 46 fastest laps, which I think is interesting because it's not always that he's had the fastest car. So that in and of itself is pretty impressive. And uh, 1,865 points as things stand right now. So obviously that number can crawl up if he does do well later on this season. Smart Money would say no. My prediction later on will say yes. So uh, getting into his life, he was born in Espoo, Finland. I don't know if you've ever seen the Finnish language, dude, but it is insane. Like the the a word for like let's just say microphone because that's what I'm looking at right now. It would be like 28 letters long. So when I was I was looking at places close to Espoo and these places were absolutely absurd. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, born in Finland, started karting around the age of 10. Won some Nordic championships in the late 90s before moving to Europe and competing in the Super A Championship and the Ford Euro Cup. Uh, in Formula Renault, he really shined after he got past the Ford Euro, uh, won over half the races he competed in. So he raced 23 times, and he won 13. So um, that really caught the attention of Peter Sauber of the Sauber F1 team, or the Red Bull Sauber F1 team. They decided to give him a shot at Sauber F1 at Mugello just to do a little test drive, similar to the younger guys that we've seen this year. Um, that was September of 2000, so almost exactly 21 years ago today. Um, he really impressed by putting in laps that were like over half a second. That were over half a second faster than his com direct competitor. So whether it was a teammate or somebody else getting a test, uh, and that got him 2001 seat. 2001 makes his debut. Obviously, first race in Australia. People were kind of wary about him getting his super license, right? Because super license is something you need to be driving in an F1 Grand Prix. But because he was so inexperienced, like I said, it was a it was only 23 races that he had spent in Formula Renault, so 23 races in a single-seater. Uh, people were just weary and, and nervous about him getting in so inexperienced. Nevertheless, did get a point in his F1 debut, so really silencing the haters in a big way. Uh, and that season, he ended up P10 in the World Championship. So uh, that first year was kind of his break-in. As we've seen with a lot of other drivers, Alex Albon coming to mind, Pierre Gasly, as, you know, the Red Bull guys, like you have to really impress early on uh, for a lot of these F1 teams. So uh, because he did that, 
Uh, in 2001, he just the next year went right into the legendary McLaren. So 2002 to 2006 was his time at McLaren. Got second place twice in the championship. Uh, he lost out to Schumacher and Alonso. Um, so obviously good guys to be uh, to be coming in second place with. But his championship hopes were met the year after he moved off from McLaren to Ferrari. 2007, he's racing alongside Felipe Massa. This, if you've not seen the highlights of the last race of the 2007 season, it is absolute insanity. The entire Drivers' Championship hinged on one race, one last race of the season last year, and he beat Lewis and Fernando by two points. So Lewis and Fernando tied for second place with 109 points, and he eked out the win with 110 points. So obviously the highlight of his career, kind of the peak of his career back in 2007, just from like a results standpoint. 2007 to 2009 was his Ferrari time. He left Ferrari 2009 to focus on rally car driving. Dabbled a bit in NASCAR truck series, NASCAR nationwide series. Didn't really have a lot of success, no podiums, no wins or anything like that. I think he was just kind of taking a breather from Formula One. 2012, he had had enough of a vacation and went back to the grid. If you remember a few episodes ago uh, when we were talking about Lotus, he almost bankrupted that team because of the bonus structure they made for that two-year contract. They weren't necessarily anticipating having a car that was anywhere near a podium season in the Drivers' Championship or the World Championship, and he finished third and fifth in the in the Drivers' Championship. So Lois still owes Kimi about $6 million, but he was just like, all right, fuck it, I'll just go back to Ferrari, who have a better car, and race alongside Fernando Alonso. So back kind of chapter two for Ferrari uh, with Kimi was Fernando Alonso the first year and then Seb Vettel for the following four years. Then we get to 2019, Charles Leclerc, upcoming star, takes his seat at Ferrari. There was actually huge pushback by Seb. Seb thought Kimi was just the ultimate teammate. To be honest, kind of had the eye of the tiger, obviously, still in the racers. But reporters were thinking that he had let his foot off the gas a little bit in terms of just his personal ambition. You know, at that point, the last time that he won the championship was 12 years ago. So he was more comfortable playing kind of a number two role to the four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel. And then after the 2019 move to Alfa Romeo, uh, it's been just kind of a, a wind down, kind of like a hospice of his career. He said multiple times he does F1 as a hobby. He has plenty of money. He just likes to go fast and, and do the vroom vroom. So, so fun facts about Kimmy, just kind of rapid fire here. Um, he was dyslexic, so that was kind of something off the wall. He was actually torn between ice hockey and motorsport as a kid because he showed promise in both. But his talent was just so undeniable in racing that he felt like he had to do it for his career. And also, as he puts it, I didn't want to have to get up early in the morning to play hockey. So I think like probably more than we realize, the reason that he's in F1 is just because he doesn't want to get up in the morning. Otherwise, he would have been probably a low-level hockey guy. Uh, but yeah, he's Ferrari's last champion. Seb could never get it done. And even though their form's improving right now, I think he'll probably hold on to that little title for a while. Uh, this is hilarious. He admits to never answering the phone when someone calls because he hates phone calls. Like I looked into this and it's like, it's just kind of skeptical. because like, who never answers the phone, right? But, uh, but yeah, it's true. The people around him, including his bosses have been like, yeah, he'll video call, he'll speak in person. But uh, his bosses have given up on just calling his cell phone just because he will never answer when, when they call. So um, I think that's probably something that all of us can take in terms – I think that's probably something all of us can take a page out of that book. 
Uh, and then a funny story, like in Bahrain, there was a story where the prince of Bahrain arranged a search for someone who had just pushed Kimmy into a pool when Kimmy was drunk. Ruined Kimmy's phone, and the search concluded when the culprit was found out. It was actually a friend of the prince's son. So the prince, instead of like just brushing it off, t- kicked his son and his son's friend out of the party and flew Kimmy home in his private jet just to apologize. So pretty pretty nice, I guess, restitution there. And then just like the best thing, this dude loves to party. Like he's shown up drunk to award ceremonies for F1. The only time I've seen evidence of like a big outgoing fun Kimmy. Uh, he once went on a 16-day bender between the Bahrain and Spanish Grand Prix. So showed up very hungover to practice and... Obviously, you'd think like, okay, you know, guy's drunk, he's been partying, he's probably a little out of shape or like a little winded, but he ended up on the podium in Spain. So just an absolute legend. Um, And yeah, you know, we can always look back on his great moments. World champion in 2007. He had a last lap overtaken Suzuka in 2005 to take a win, which was the best move of the season, according to a lot of journalists. Monaco, the infamous time uh, in 2006 where he retired the car early and instead of going to the garage, kind of recapping with the team, just went straight onto a yacht, took off his racing suit without a shirt on, started drinking. Uh, His win in 2018, which stopped a five-year winning drought. Um, He's been caught several times sleeping in the car between quality sessions, which I don't think is exclusive to Kimi, but I think he does it more than others. Uh, And then if you're a deep F1 fan... This will make sense. If not, then it won't. But, you know, Kimmy not having the drink, Kimmy's gloves and steering wheel, and leave me alone, I know what to do, are all quotes that if you're a big Kimmy fan or big F1 fan that watches a lot of YouTube videos, you will have seen that. So, yeah, I think in total that's the wrap up of old Kimmy. Uh, he, will be, he will be sorely missed. Yeah, absolutely. I think a couple things that stood out to me was 340 starts, as you said, 18 pulls, 21 wins. So that's, you know, almost one win a season for him and his illustrious career. Uh, there goes that word again, and pretty sure it's the right word. But <laughs> So just about over 6% of the time that he gets in a, a race car and has a start, he wins. So I was surprised with, uh, you know, his great career and a lot of the, you know, the 1,304 laps led that it was only really 21 wins. But uh, I know it's a lot harder uh, said than done to, to win a um, Formula One race. And so, yeah, I I guess, you know, that is, I mean, he is on the leaderboard for many other things. So I think uh, something else that I I noticed was they were interviewing Kimmy today uh, or yesterday and just, you know, asking about his time in Formula One. His quote was basically, "Uh, I I have a lot of memories, some good, some bad, but now looking back on them, some of the bad aren't really that bad. That was pretty much it. So I think that's just kind of nails... (laughs) You know, like it was just as, you know, monotone as possible. Typical Kimmy is just such an entertaining character because of how mundane he kind of acts. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to be sorely missed. He's definitely given me a ton of entertainment over these last couple of years. Yeah, there was a something that F1 put out where they like responses of Kimmy's to stupid questions. It was like, what does the helmet mean to you? He was like, it protects my head. (laughs) <laughs> like answers like that where it's like the shorter of a sentence he can get seemingly the more joy he can get out of getting an answer and he doesn't get a lot of joy out of giving you know talking to media in general so yeah i i, I saw another one where i was like uh yeah so kimmy what happened he goes what i crashed and that was it <laughs> yeah get down to the point i love it 
Uh, so yeah, great job there. Uh, very entertaining to, to hear about his his fun career. Uh, moving on though, let's talk about the Dutch Grand Prix. But of course, before we get to that, this part of the podcast is brought to you by none other than Kimi Räikkönen himself. So he actually wanted to give a huge thank you to all of his fans over the years of support. And honestly, what better way to tell the people than from the Eaton Asphalt podcast? So Kimmy passed along the story to us, and, and it was basically quoted here saying, and I quote, uh, I just want to say uh, thanks. It was some good times, and uh, thanks. I don't, I don't know what else you want me to say. So obviously, clearly a huge compliment to F1 fans for him to go out of his way and say thank you to how much we all have affected him throughout his years. Uh, I, I have never really seen that type of affection from him, honestly. So uh, that, that was a feel-good moment for myself. Very cool and a very cool ad. And so thanks, Kimmy, and you're welcome for your support. So yeah, short and sweet, just like Kimmy himself. Always the wordsmith. Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, they call him the poet, actually, as well. So, moving on to the race this weekend. So, this is the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. The first Grand Prix here was in 1952. Some general information about the course is 72 laps, 4.26 kilometers a lap, or about 2.6 miles. Like Silverstone, Van Dort was opened in 1948 as part of this huge wave of post-war motorsport enthusiasm that swept across Europe. Uh, the Dutch Automobile Racing Club was the one who initiated the plans of the circuit. They brought in 1927 Le Mans winner Sammy Davis to consult on the layout of the original track. This was originally made up of a mixture of both permanent track and public roads that kind of snaked through the sand dunes of the resort town. F1 comes to the scene in the Dutch Dunes in 1952 with the first race Ferrari having a 1-2-3 finish. Then F1 continued to race on and off the track until about 1985, then a 35-year hiatus, and in 2019, an announcement came through that the championship would return in 2020, and then there was a big old psych, and it turned to from 35-year hiatus to 36 due to COVID and coming in 2021. The circuit has been called very quick, pretty insane, crazy, and old school by current drivers, actually. So there's huge swoops and flows through the sand dunes, creating like a roller coaster type feel. Uh, many drivers here have actually had some junior category experience. Since then, though, the track has been updated, including increasing the banking at the famous Tarzan corner to around 19 degrees, which uh, I don't know if you've been keeping up with Formula One around this weekend. A lot of people doing their, their walks around the track, especially this weekend, because none of them have had Formula One experience on this track. And yeah, it looks like they're just like having to walk almost sideways from it. It's pretty cool seeing them roll those uh, little mini waffles down and just picking up speed. Uh, very entertaining to see that. Also, going back, uh, that Tarzan corner, I think that might be the coolest corner name that I have seen in all of Formula One. I think that is awesome. Looking at the track in general, all drivers this entire week have been adamant about how excited they are for this. As we said, it's a very intense co course. Um, some of the drivers, so I think there's about 15 seconds throughout the course that they're going to be reaching about four to five G's consistently. So I think drivers could really struggle with that just because a lot of the times when they hit up these type of high G impacts, they it's for 
maybe a couple seconds max. So just having this back and forth, uh, there's a lot of blind spots, very, very skinny track, as we said, with very steep banks throughout. As they said, a stone's throw away from the beach. So this is going to be a very windy track, uh, which is going to affect the, the drivers greatly as well. And they're going to be using some of the harder compound tires this weekend. So I think that because of how intense this type of track is, that they're going to need the, the extra stronger type tires for this. Yeah, and, and as I've been saying, there's a bunch of high-speed corners, high-speed change of direction. Uh, we're going to see a couple different constructors do very well in this scenario, specifically McLaren. Their car is stands out very well for this type of track. So look for them to do uh, pretty well outside of this. Uh, and I think that really kind of sums up about the track. I didn't want to really go into the, the you know, who's scored the most points since, you know, we haven't seen anything since 1985. Most of us were not alive back then. So, you know, screw it. Uh, but the most important thing that we want to talk about about this is the weather this weekend. So we have Friday, 68 and cloudy. Saturday, 67 and cloudy, and Sunday, 71 and cloudy. And the entire weekend is ranging to about 15% rain. They're looking like it's probably not going to be effect, maybe a little bit on Sunday. But for the most part, it does not seem like we're going to run into a similar situation that we did at Spa. And I think the last thing that we have to say about that is this is actually Max's home Grand Prix. And so the, the grandstands is actually extremely close to this track. So we're going to see a lot of orange. I think the drivers are really going to be able to feel the fans on top of them and uh, kind of hear the noise. Uh, so kind of back to the old ways of, of the non-COVID times and really see that, that intensity from off the track as well. So uh, I, th I think this is going to be an awesome track. This seems like as if the drivers are excited as they actually say they are, this seems like it's going to be yeah very intense, very fun, um, a lot of action going on. Yep. Well, good job on that. Thank you for talking about the weather because we saw what happens when we don't. We get a canceled Grand Prix, basically. Moving the fuck on. We have race predictions coming up. Still uh, a bit of a slaughter going on. Ian, 12 points. Marco, 9 points. Instead of going back and forth, we're just going to go through this all at once, person by person. So, Marco, would you like to go through your race predictions? I would love to. So, starting off, who do I think will crash or DNF? I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc. The winner, I'm going to go with Lando Norris. As I stated, love I love it. I know, right? Right. I think McLaren is going to have a very strong weekend. So I'm going to say Lando is on top of the podium. Last place, I'm going to do old Mick Schumacher. You know, they talked to each of the drivers, each of the teams this weekend. Haas drivers were both saying how really like unexcited they were for this weekend. Uh, <laughs> more specifically, because their car was really struggling, going from mid to high speed corners. Uh, as if they weren't having enough trouble already, if they're going into the weekend thinking that they're going to struggle, I mean, I think this is going to be a shit show for them. So I'm banking on one of the Haas boys to come in last place. So yeah, going to go with him. Then I'm going to go with uh, driver of the day. I'm going to go with Lewis. Uh, switch it up a little bit. Uh, this is kind of just, you know, spreading out my my chips and not just, I, would, I was going to say Lando, but you know, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong twice. Dutch of the day, I'm going to go with Max. I could, you know, there's a little bit in the back of my gut and the bottom of my gut that I think that Max and Lewis might get in a little crash, a little silver stone, stone round two, which would be wild. Uh, but I mean, there's very little experience on this track, none from the F1 standpoint. 
So I, I you know, and for how tense, intense, and skinny this track is, I can see a lot of craziness ensuing. Uh, and then I'm going to go with fastest pit stop uh, is going to be Mercedes and wildcard prediction. Now I'm baking on and doubling down on my guess. McLaren both finish in the top five. You are bullish on McLaren. I love it. So hopefully you're right and we have a good weekend. I think um, as an olive branch and as a courtesy, if Lando does win, then we'll give you double points um, for that just because it's a little bit, uh, you know, Lando's never won a Grand Prix. This would be his first win. So, yeah, why not? Just as a, as a you know, as a nice little gesture. Um, as far as who I think will crash or DNF, um, Schumacher is going to be my pick there. I just don't necessarily see the Haas boys doing well enough um, in a tight circuit where there's not runoff. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I, you know, I think he's going to be one of many who ends up hitting that wall and having to retire from this race. Um, winner, I'm going to go with Max. I just think that the Orange Army is going to be out there to support him. It's going to be almost, you know, almost a, a necessity for him to win, especially in this close battle with Lewis and him taking over in the first. I think he would take, yeah, he would, he would take over uh, the Drivers' Championship lead if he does win. So last place, I'll go with Latifi. I just, I want to be right on one of these, so we'll, we'll go with uh, Latifi last. Driver of the day, I'm going to vote for Kimi. Out of out of out of solidarity, pandering. you're pandering. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna vote for Kimmy. It's been called a pander pick by some, um, but it's also a bit of a research pick because uh, I think there's a movement right now to vote him as driver of the day, no matter how he performs. So maybe a safe bet there. Douche of the day, brought to you by Summer's Eve. I'm going to go with uh, Antonio Giovinazzi. Seems like he's on his way out. Go out with a bang. Fastest pit stop, give me Ferrari. No way that's going to be right. I think they're kind of the slower ones, but who knows? And then my wildcard prediction, as we talked about a million times, like with this track being skinny, walls being there, no runoff, nobody's raced on this in F1. Um, I think there's probably going to be, I want to say 14 or less cars finish the race. So one of the more, uh, one of the more either crash out, retirements, making contact, um, somehow, some way. I think 14 is going to be the max number of cars that we see. Uh, so, yeah, put me down for six. All right. So looking forward to seeing how well, as always, we do in these race predictions. Interestingly enough, a total score of 21 uh, with how many guesses that we've had throughout the course of the year. I'm sure the percentages is uh, something that we don't want to look into. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like a strong second half for us, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that. I think we were just kind of saving it for the second half, as, as one Vince Young would always say. Uh, and yeah, that does it for our episode 27 of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. We are very looking forward to this weekend. Um, as always, you know, follow us. Keep up with us. Reach out to us on social media. And any final thoughts? Nah, man. Just I want to see those percentages of rain stay in the teens because uh, I think even a little bit of rain is not something I want right now. I, I used to always root for it, but now I'm good with just having some dry races because I want to see a race. So, yeah, I think uh, we're, we're probably in for a little bit more of a boring race. I think Max and Lewis are going to have the battle up front, but you know, I would, I would definitely take a boring race after what I saw last week so yeah just appreciate everybody for listening we will be back monday for the race review all right thanks again guys see you assholes see you assholes nice coordinated that one